Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to bring you stories of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. We are your guides for this journey. My name is Gary and my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Good morning, Goldie Ann. Good morning, Gary. Are you awake yet? No. Oh, well. <laughs> you have your coffee and I have a story to wake you up. As far as announcements are going, I want to say that each week I hope to expand our Within the Mist project, and I'm happy to say that I've been in contact with various people involved in the field of the paranormal and some listeners who have had encounters of their own. With these, we will be bringing back the Thursday interview shows. That means Monday we'll have our traditional episode covering the stories and legends of the paranormal, then Thursday, we'll be talking to authors, filmmakers, artists, and eyewitnesses. All will still be free to listen. So with that being said, if you would like to appear on our show, please contact us either through Facebook, Instagram, or our email, withinthemistpodcasts at gmail.com. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Now, Goldie Ann, as someone who enjoys ghosts and the paranormal, have you ever heard of the legend of the shark ghost? The shark ghost? No. I think I would probably know, since I love sharks. That's not surprising, because it vanished into thin air. Oh, my God. So, it's you're forgiven for not knowing. No comment. Oh. Well, today's story involves tales of shark attacks and cannibalism. These words It's a very intense story coming all the way from Hawaii. And this will lead to a series of events that may upset some of our listeners. We are storytellers of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. We don't intend to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. And with that, the source that got me started for today's episode was from an amazing Christmas present I received from my daughter who found it in a little bookstore in Hawaii. She's currently living there, so that's kind of why we've had more than a fair share of Hawaii legends. This book is a graphic novel entitled The Night Marchers and Other Oceanan Stories. It's a collection of comics and illustrations that tell the stories and the story I used today was Nanoe the Shark Boy by Jen H. Lava Girl? We will touch on that after we get to the end of this episode. Okay. So Shark Boy does get some drawings from Nanoe. Sailors have reported sightings of mermaids for centuries. These mystical beings, part human and part fish, make up a large number of legends and tales through the centuries. For the islanders of Polynesia, and especially Hawaii, some of these beings are very different. They have folklore of beings who resemble men in every way when on land, but transform into enormous sharks once they return to the ocean. Some of these creatures seek to help the island people, while the others are ferocious man-eaters. 
One special tale even combines the lives of shark and boy. So join us as we explore within the mists of Hawaii to tell of Nanue the Shark Boy. Special disclaimer, these are Hawaiian words and names, so I apologize for butchering any of them. I watched a bunch of videos to try and get the pronunciations correct, but I lack experience on saying them. Chapter 1. A Love Between a Woman and a Fish Kalea lived on the tranquil big island of Hawaii, where the crystal clear waters of the Wapio River flowed into the Turquoise Sea. Amongst the villagers, she was renowned for her beauty and grace. Her long, luscious hair cascaded down her back in a glossy black curtain, framing her delicate features. Her eyes were wide and alluring, with golden specks that twinkled in the sunlight. Her skin was smooth and radiant, reflecting her vibrant health, and she always had a dazzling smile on her lips, revealing a row of pearly white teeth. Kamehoalihi, with his majestic gray and white skin glinting in the sun, was the undisputed king of all 40 species of sharks in Hawaii. He ruled over them with a firm hand, making sure that they adhered to his most sacred taboo, no eating of humans. But, like any society, there were rebellious individuals who always broke the rules. To enforce his law, Kamehoalihi had an elite team of shark soldiers who patrolled the waters looking for those sharks who dared disobey their king's strict disorder. Okay, so I'm going to put a little disclaimer in here. Great white sharks are not man-eaters. And the reason they're saying this is because Kamehoalea. Yes, that's what I mean. They, they are but there's not one that is. Uh-huh. I'm sharks just saying that's the story. Are gentle animals unless provoked. I know, dear. They're puppies of the sea. Thank you. Kamehoalihi's sleek bodies glided through the turquoise waters, just below the surface where Kalia was bathing. She emerged from the waves with a handful of colorful shells, her dark hair damp and tangled. Despite tradition dictating that women always bathe in groups, Kalia had ventured out on her own to hunt for shellfish along the sh rocky shoreline. With her catch secured in a woven basket, she stripped off her clothes under the moonlit sky and slipped into the warm embrace of the Pacific Ocean. The Wapio River flowed steadily, its waters cascading over the low falls and into a large basin that opened to the sea. In those days, it was a popular spot for bathing amongst the villagers of the Wapio. They would frolic and swim in the refreshing waters, unaware that they shared this space with Kamoalia the king shark god who frequented the pool. He was fond of human beauty, often appearing in his sleek, powerful form to bask in their company. Through various tales, it was clear that he had an eye for physical perfection. Kamehoalihi sat on a rock at the beach's edge, his eyes fixed on Kalia as she danced in the waves. 
She moved with fluidity and grace, her mahogany skin glistening with water droplets. And with each spin and dive, Kamehameha's heart quickened. The king of the sharks couldn't take his eyes off of her. As a shapeshifter, he planned to transform into his human form and search for this enchanting woman the next night. And so he did, wandering the land as a chief and mingling with the locals of the Wapio Valley in search of Kalia. After days of searching, he finally found her and their fates were forever intertwined. It seems that dark clouds loomed overhead and the wind howled through the village's empty streets. Most people huddled inside their homes, seeking shelter from the storm. But Kalia was determined to gather fresh mollusks for dinner. Walking down to the beach, she noticed the handsome man walking towards her. His broad shoulders and friendly smile caught her attention. But as a proper maiden, she only gave him a slight nod before continuing on her way. Little did she know that Kamaiolea had transformed himself into this attractive form just to catch her eye. Perched on a nearby cliff, the king shark observed Kalia's agile movements as she navigated the treacherous rocks exposed by the high tide. Taking advantage of her focus on gathering shellfish, he summoned his powers and he sent a mighty wave crashing into her knocking her off balance and into the turbulent ocean below. Rude. She cried out for help and with a mighty splash, the shark king plunged into the crystal blue water and swam toward the flailing figure. He expertly navigated the waves and reached her just in time, quickly pulling her to shore. As she gasped for air and coughed up salt water, Kameolea remained by her side gently rubbing her back until she calmed down. When she finally looked up at him with tear-filled eyes, he was struck by her beauty and felt his heart skip a beat. He was ravaged by guilt, and but without a word, they both knew that something magical had happened between them. Kameolea's skin glistened in the sunlight as they stood at the altar, a stark contrast to Kalia's ivory skin. Her parents smiled proudly as he joined their family, hoping that his love would be enough for him to adapt to his new life. Little did they know that challenges and adjustments awaited them in their new life together. So, Goldie Ann, would you have married a fish? If it was a shark? I kind of saw that. I kind of feel like if I was ever going to be replaced, it was going to be with a shark god. Of course. Hey! You don't have to be quite so quick to answer that. Oh, sorry. My bad. Really? Anyways, Chapter 2, A Shark Boy is Born. Despite his love for his new bride, the Shark King couldn't rule his kingdom from afar. Before the sun peeked over the horizon each morning, he transformed back into a shark. He swam out to receive reports from his soldiers. Lately, they had been reporting an increase in rogue shark attacks on humans. Uh-oh. Desperate pleas for help coming from their terrified victims. It was clear that Kamehameha could no longer ignore these disturbances and would have to return to his realm in the ocean 
leaving behind his beloved wife. When he returned home, Kalia's tiny feet pattered across the floor as she ran to the door, her long black hair bouncing with each step. She flung open the front door and jumped into her love's arms, showering him with hugs and kisses while he chuckled and spun her around. We're having a baby, she whispered, feeling tears of joy spring to her eyes. But as she pulled back to look at him, she saw the strain and worry etched onto his face. Are you not happy? she asked hesitantly. Kamehameha's fingers traced the contours of Kalia's face, gently brushing against her skin. His hands found their way into her hair and tangled into the softness as he pulled her closer. He kissed her intensely, making her heart race and her knees weak. Her eyes widened as he placed a hand on her stomach and spoke softly. Nothing could make me happier than knowing that you carry my child. It will be a son. I want you to name him Nanoe. She couldn't understand how he knew that it would be a boy. I know this because I am not what I seem. Kalia's eyes widened as he revealed the stunning secret. They walked down to the edges of the water, and with a flick of his wrist, the man transformed into a sleek, mighty great white shark. She watched as he dove and glided through the water, returning to her and to his human form. She finally understood why he always had a fervent connection to the sea. It was your happiness and grace in the ocean that first attracted me to you. I need you to keep your joy even though I must leave you. Kalia said, but I want to raise our son together. Kamehameha's eyes watered and he was filled with remorse as he shook his head. It was selfish of me to leave and try to live my own life. My subjects need me, and you must promise me one thing. He gently cupped her face in his palm and gazed into her eyes, willing her to understand. What is it? Clea asked. You must never allow our child to eat animal meat. Fish and shellfish are fine, but never feed him the meat from a land animal. Do you understand? With a heavy heart, Kalia finally gave in to her husband's secret desire. They spent their last night intertwined in whispering sweet nothings. But she woke up alone, and when the morning light filtered through the window, the sheets were still warm from his body, but his side of the bed was now empty. Time passed, and as the island winds howled fiercely through the valley, Kalia's body contorted with intensity and pain. Her mother, grandmother, and aunt surrounded her, offering comfort and guidance as she pushed. And then it happened. After hours of labor, a loud cry pierced the stillness of the night. The women all let out joyful cheers. It's a boy! However, as they turned the baby over to clean him, their smiles turned to shock. This was not an ordinary boy as they had expected. What is it? Let me see him, demanded Kalia. 
As she lifted her newborn son onto her lap, she couldn't help but notice a diminished, circular indentation between his shoulder blades. She traced her finger over it and felt a tiny shark's mouth, cold and smooth, bore into his back. Wow, that's weird. So yes, she has a son with two mouths, one human and then one shark on his back. It was both fascinating and concerning at the same time. Kalia squeezed her son tightly against her, feeling his small body tremble. She turned to the women, urgently instructing them to fetch their husbands. As soon as the family arrived, Kalia took a deep breath and revealed the truth about her husband, hoping for understanding and support from her family. My son is to be called Nanue. He must never eat animal meat. Do you understand? This is a taboo set down by the Shark King. Her family made a pact to hide his deformity. And when he was small, covering him up with a blanket was easy when they went out. But as he grew up, they had to get more creative in their efforts to keep him hidden from the judgmental stares of the others in the village. Shark boy! So which side can she not feed? The shark side or the human side? (laughs) She can feed both sides. She just can't feed animal meat. Chapter 3. Hiding the Secret As Nanui grew, Kalia diligently followed the shark king's orders and kept him away from all meat. However, he started to rebel and tried to sneak off to try it alone as he reached adolescence. She watched as he became more independent and made his own choices, but she continued to enforce this one rule. The hot sun would beat down on the island each day, and most men and boys wore only a thin strip of fabric around their waist called a malo. But for Nanui, Kalia lovingly crafted elaborate mantles and capes adorned with patterns of green and blue made from vegetable dyes. She would spend hours pounding bark to create sheets of kapa cloth, carefully stamping designs with the bamboo tools. All her efforts were to hide her son's shark mouth and protect him from the fear and judgment of others. I take it the boy knew he had it. The boy definitely noticed. The villagers would whisper and point at Nanui, and he always kept his back covered with a thick mantle cape. They wondered why he never joined in their games or interacted with them. Little did they know that he was self-conscious about his shark-like mouth and afraid of it being revealed. His mother's constant warnings echoed in his mind as he sat off to the side, feeling isolated and teased from the other children. The villagers would gather at the river every afternoon to bathe and socialize. Nanui would always refuse to join them, preferring to swim alone in secluded areas. As he swam, he could hear the whispers of his neighbors commenting on his lack of social skills and pitying him for not having a father figure to guide him. But for Nanui, being alone in the water was a perfect escape from the judgment and expectation of the others. Under the moonlight, Nanui and his mother ventured down to the riverbank. She would perch on a mossy stone, clutching his cloak tightly as he slipped into the chilly water. 
With each stroke, his human form was replaced with that of a swift and cunning shark. He could swim downstream, navigating effortlessly through the murky depths and reach the open ocean. There, he honed his hunting skills and caught fish with precision and grace. Then, as dawn approached, he would return to the shore where his mother awaited him with open arms. She draped his cloak back over his shoulders as he transformed back into a boy, ready to face another day in his unique experience. That's cool. As Nanui reached adolescence, he began to join his grandfather and uncle at the men's table for meals. This was the custom of the time as men ate only with men. Now while other men dug into their plates filled with pork, Nanui pushed his food around, unable to eat the meat that reminded him of his brutal and violent transformations into a shark. His grandfather and uncle would exchange embarrassed glances, unsure of how to address the issue with him. As he watched Nanui struggle to find his place in their village, his grandfather knew he had to intervene. He called the young teen over and told him of his plans to teach him the ways of wrestling and of combat. But as soon as he mentioned the mantle, grandfather's face fell with disappointment. This curse, this shark mouth, would make it nearly impossible for Nanui to become a great warrior. While the other young men in his village were learning to wield weapons and fight, Nanui could often be found in his mother's lush garden. With gentle hands, he tended to the taro plants, sweet potatoes, and banana trees that grew there. He found peace and solace amongst the foliage. This was his safe haven where he didn't have to hide his true identity as a half-human, half-shark creature. His grandfather didn't take this well. His wrinkled face contorted with anger as he turned to Kalia. It's all your fault, he spat. If you didn't coddle him, he would be a true warrior like his father, the mighty Shark King. But instead, he's weak and pathetic. Harsh. Thanks, Granddad. Granddad was a warrior and a jerk. And not a shark, obviously. Not a shark. Grandfather paced back and forth, muttering under his breath about Kameoleas and the mysterious meat taboo that kept Nanue from reaching his full potential. Kalia hung her head in shame, knowing she was the reason for her son's perceived weakness. Now, the grandfather sat across from Nanui at the dinner table one night with a slab of juicy pork on his plate. Come on, Nanui, just take one bite, he urged with a sly grin. Against his better judgment, Nanui gave in to the temptation and took a small taste of the pork. But as soon as the meat touched his lips, an insatiable hunger consumed the boy. He couldn't stop devouring the entire meal and then reaching across the table for more. The village men roared with laughter as they watched his uncontrollable appetite and it earned him the nickname Manahoy, which means ravenous shark. Nanue was also keeping another secret from everyone, including his grandfather and mother. It seems his shark mouth was now growing rows of razor-sharp teeth he didn't want anyone, not even his grandfather or mother, to see his transformation. 
And after that day, Kalei and her son trekked through the dense forest, the smell of damp earth permeating the air. They reached a vast, shallow stream where their son eagerly splashed and played in the cool water. But then, to Kalia's horror, he transformed into the shark right before her eyes, showing off those sharp, jagged teeth. He gleefully swam around chasing after small fish and snapping at him with his sharp teeth. And with a mix of fascination and fear, Kalia knew she had to teach him how to conceal his proper form from others. She took exceptional care in emphasizing the importance of keeping the secret from outsiders who may not understand or accept him. I mean, why wouldn't they respect him? He's the Shark King's son. People never respect those that are different, Goldian. Yeah. Chapter 4. A Man-Eater. As Nanui broke the taboo and tasted flesh for the first time, a primal hunger ignited in him, and he feigned satisfaction with the village meals of pork and his nighttime fishing trips. His mind constantly drifted to fresh meat, and eventually he began to stalk and hunt the humans of the village, Uh savoring each bite as it satisfied his insatiable cravings. Oh, he's eating the villagers now. Yeah. Kalea's garden was a small patch of paradise tucked away on the side of the path that led to the ocean. As Nanui tended to the vibrant flowers and leafy vegetables, he could hear the laughter and splashing of the boys he had grown up with, the ones that teased him as they passed by on their way to swim. He could not forget how they used to taunt him for his love of gardening, but he never said a word choosing instead to grit his teeth and continue his quiet work in the peace of his oasis. But now, every time one of his peers walked up the winding road, Nanawi would lounge against a weathered boulder, his arms crossed over his chest as he watched the children trek up the winding path. A mischievous grin played on his lips as he called out to them, Where are you off to? Their answers were always predictable fishing or swimming in the nearby river. Take care or you may disappear head and tail, Nanui would say. A sense of unease settled over the small village as rumors spread like wildfire. Every few days, another teenage boy would go for a swim and never return. The adults began to keep a wary eye on their children, but even they, the adults, were not safe as some of them started going missing too. The villagers grew increasingly afraid knowing their once peaceful community was now plagued by something sinister. And fears spread like wildfire through the tight-knit community as they realized that there was a beast beneath the water's surface. As Nanawi grew from a curious child to a powerful young man, He also succeeded in growing more and more shark-like. After every swim in the ocean, there were reports of more missing people. Witnesses claimed to have seen a gigantic great white shark emerge from the waters, leaving behind a trail of carnage and blood as it quickly devoured its fellow swimmers. The villagers of the Wapio Valley gathered by the shore, 
watching Nanui as a man effortlessly swim through the water's choppy waves. They would whisper amongst themselves, wondering why he never seemed to be hurt in the treacherous waters, why he never had any fear in the waves. Some even thought they saw a glint of power in his eyes as he dove beneath the surface. Little did they know that it was Nanui himself who was responsible for the mysterious disappearances of their loved ones, transforming into a shark and devouring them without the slightest remorse. The shark boy's being bad. Daddy's gonna be mad. Chapter 5. The Secret is Discovered. Someone's gonna smite him. I don't think smite's quite the way they do it in Hawaii, but I'll, I'll continue on with the chapter and we'll see. Nanawi had been living in Wapio for years, working as a fisherman and helping his family tend to their small garden. But then Umi, the king of Hawaii, ordered all able-bodied men to work on the Kaleo plantation for 10 days. There was to be certain days in the Anahula to be set aside for this work. When every man, woman, and child had to go and render service, excepting the very old and decrepit and the very young. As others excitedly set off for this new adventure, Nanui stayed behind, tending to his mother's lush vegetable garden. Word of this reached the king's ears, and he summoned several strong men to bring Nanui before him. Despite being in the presence of the king, Nanui remained humble, his shoulders draped with a kapa kia, a traditional Hawaiian mantle made from woven plant fibers. The king furrowed his brow and addressed the young man standing before him, who was noticeably not engaging in the manual labor like everyone else. Why are you shirking your kuleo duties? Nanui replied with genuine confusion, admitting he didn't realize he was supposed to join in. Umi, the king, observed Nanui's muscular physique and confident demeanor. Impressed by this strong young warrior, a highly prized role in their society. So Umi let him go and commanded him to join the others in work without hesitation. Nanui obediently joined the group, shuffling through the fields with his fellow workers. Despite the sun's heat and the hard labor, he kept his cape draped over his shoulders, starkly contrasting the others who had stripped down to their loincloths in the summer heat. As the day wore on and sweat soaked through their clothes, some of the younger people began to playfully tug at Nanui's garment until it was accidentally torn off to reveal the giant shark mouth opening and closing with rows of sharp teeth within on his back. Uh-oh. The crowd on the field gasped and murmurs spread like wildfire as they saw this maw in the young man's skin. Nanui's eyes blazed with fury as he lunged at the crowd, his sharp shark teeth bared and ready to strike. He bit down on the unsuspecting victims, causing screams and chaos to erupt around him. The sound of snapping jaws filled the air, reminiscent of the shark devouring his prey. Word of the shark man's vicious attack spread quickly to the king, along with reports of the various missing individuals who were last seen near Nanui's favorite pools. Villagers recounted stories of his eerie warnings before each attack 
and everyone knew that he had to be the one responsible for the disappearances. Oh dear, he's been caught. And the king wasted no time ordering a massive bonfire to be built. Nanui was forcefully thrown into the middle as flames started to grow, punishment for his heinous acts. Kalia, his mother, heart raced as she heard her son's panicked screams echoing across the beach. Without hesitation, she dropped everything and sprinted to the ocean shore. She frantically scanned the water, shouting for help for her husband, the shark god. Kamehaleha, save our son! There would be gasps echoing across the beach as a massive gray fin, larger than anything they had ever seen before, cut through the water and glided towards the shore. The crowd backed away, but before they could scream, the shark morphed into a tall, muscular man with ocean blue eyes and a strong jawline. Release him, he demanded in a deep, commanding voice. As everyone watched in awe, Nanui took advantage of this chaos, and he raced from the fire and dove into the waves to swim swiftly into the ocean. The king's face was set in a stern frown as he spoke, his voice filled with authority. Do not worry. My soldiers will deal with my son. I apologize for what he has done. His grandfather ruined him, but I will discipline him. I promise that he will no longer attack the village. His tone left no room for doubt, and the villagers breathed a sigh of relief as they watched the Shark King move forward to the ocean and to follow his troublemaking son. Kamehameha waded back into the clear, cool water, but he hesitated when he heard Kalia's small whimper. He turned and saw his wife trembling on the shore, tears streaming down her face. Without a moment's hesitation, he scooped her up in his muscular arms and pulled her close to his chest. I have missed you, he whispered, kissing her forehead gently. Remember, you can always summon me if you need me. And with those words, he disappeared beneath the surface of the water once more. Well, he could have told her that in the beginning. I don't think he knew. Ah. I'm, I, there's no stories of that he did this before. Exactly. So this was kind of a learning event for him as well. And he never did it afterwards, so I'm guessing he learned his lesson. Oh, spoiler alert. Well... The tales of Nanui would continue and the shark attacks would be blamed on this unruly child swimming the sea, unable to control his appetite. I feel like there should be more. <laughs> How so? Um, I want to know if he got his butt whipped. <laughs> Not exactly, but his father tried to teach him how to be a shark and, you know, respect the waves of the ocean. And obviously it didn't work. No. No, Nanui became a problem child forever. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's a good type of backstory and, you know, like fable for shark attacks and things like that. And respecting the ocean. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have enjoyed the legend of Nanui and it has gone on into popular culture. You mentioned Shark Boy and Lava Girl before. Yeah. Uh, the origin of Shark Boy was is that he was lost at sea but because he had been a friend to sharks the sharks took care of him and raised him as one of their own 
So this is kind of Kameo Aaliyah adopting a child and teaching him how to be a human shark. Right. He wasn't actually a shark or part shark. He was just raised by sharks. So he was kind of raised by a shark king, kind of like Kameo Aaliyah. So that's how they use that in that movie. Now, DC Comics has a king shark. And there's different versions of this King Shark character in the comic books and in the movies and cartoons. Uh, he's currently even in the new uh, Harlequin TV show. And he's always portrayed as kind of slow and stupid. And he's also in Suicide Squad, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. So these are two other examples of Nanue that uh, have made it into popular culture. So the story is never going to be forgotten. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And there are many, many more stories and legends of Nanui, but I wanted to at least give the origin one. If people enjoyed this story and you want more, let us know. Uh, we are on social media and we would love to hear your stories and opinions about Nanui the Shark Boy. Do you want to hear more of his legends and what eventually happened to him? Let me know and I'll have another episode. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are on Instagram and have an email, Within the Mist Podcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. So can I make up a fake email address and email you so I can get more information? Are you going to make like 50 email addresses? Well, I mean, I, I want to know what happened to them and stuff like that. I kind of already figured you would. So yeah. I know you already have one vote for it. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed our story of Nanui the Shark Boy, as it sounds like Goldie Ann did, and we'll return for another episode. Until then, explore the waves of the oceans, but remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys.